Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right. Hey. You got keys to the studio? No. Well, it's Wednesday and the door's locked. How are we going to get in? I seen your name. Yeah, that's cool. The autograph wall is great. Yeah. But if we can't get into the studio, then we can't do the show. Oh, man. It's got this thing, too. You can't use your driver's license or your right. credit card. You know what we need? What? Nate Ryan. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, hey can you... got some problems here? Yeah, you don't have a key, right. do you? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, I tried this once in college, and I think it, it worked pretty well. Let me see. Is that a paper clip? No way. We're in. Nate Ryan's here. Let's start this show. The door was never locked. It was locked the whole time. Welcome, everybody, to NASCAR America. It's Wednesday. That's Dale, which makes this Wednesday. We have a very special guest joining us today. It's Mr. Nate Ryan. Which is a real treat. It is. He is. Uh, he's a lot like our Clark Kent, and he became <laughs> Superman there for us and let us into the studio. So thank you. It's always nice to be always. back in this beautiful studio. I always travel with paper clips just in case. Of course you do. That's right. This so, is this is exciting. It's been a few weeks since we've done the show. Yeah. The last one I thought was really good, Nate. So no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. yeah. It's easy. That's obviously you've got the Redskins fan here who's wearing a red shirt, red shoes, and are I got Redskins red socks. socks on too. Yeah. They beat Dallas. Perfect. That's right. Hail to the Redskins. Hail victory. Is that what we say? We don't have to sing the whole song. Okay, good, because I think we have to pay license for it. <laughs> Guys, guess what's coming up this weekend? Martinsville, That's a place right. that you both love very much. So uh, let's talk about what is it that makes Martinsville so special? Martinsville to me is, is uh, it's old school. You know, it's like, a, it's like a track. We've got so many new tracks, mile and a half, the Roval, all kinds of new things coming in the sport. New personalities, new drivers, new cars, new rules. Uh, this is really part of the part of the sport that's always kind of stayed the same and been the same forever. And you can go to this race and you're going to see a lot of history. You're going to see short track racing. You're going to see action. You're going to see drama. I mean, the last time we were there uh, with with Chase and Denny, and then the crash at the end, and everything that was going on, it was. Uh, it was crazy. It really felt like we went back to the to the 80s and 90s in the heyday of the sport where we were racing at a lot of short tracks, you know, every month with this type of thing right here going on just about every two or three weeks. And uh, I barely even remember this. Are you serious? You're kidding me. Yeah, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> this was one of the most, most exciting moment maybe of 2017. Right it here. was gigantic. And, and what was crazy is that I was about 10 feet to the left of this. Oh, really? Because Kyle Busch had won the race. And I was going to interview him on the yeah. backstretch before he pulled around. And then suddenly, this breaks out right in front of me. And so my camera was like, oh, let me just turn and look at these guys. Right. And watching that moment happen reminded me, and probably why it's so special to you, of like everything that you could ever want to happen as far as action in a racetrack happens at Martinsville. It does. And, I mean, Dale's right. Since 1947, I think this has been the case. I tried to make a top five today of my favorite Martinsville races. And, of course, I ended up with a dozen uh, it's extremely difficult to figure out how to determine 
which ones are my favorites because every one seems to have a moment just like we just saw from um, last season. And, and, you know, Dale has talked about this. What was great about last year is that after the race, the fans stayed. And when Chase Elliott had that moment of waiting to be interviewed and went toward the crowd and, you know, beckoned the crowd for more juice after he had this confrontation with Denny Hamlin, I think it just it spoke to, you know, as Dale just said, why short tracks are so popular and why I think there's a lot of clamoring among the fan base right now to have more short tracks. As you can see here, Chase Elliott encouraging what remained of the crowd, which was quite a few thousand people to keep cheering. Yeah, it'd been a long time since I've been to a race where the fans stayed in their seats so long after the checker flag. And all the drivers did too. All of us were standing around on pit road uh, watching what was going on on the big monitor or the big jumbotron in the middle of the racetrack. And so it was just, you know, I, I know that. So if you're a driver this week, if Chase Elliott's watching this show right now, he doesn't enjoy seeing this run over and over and over again. But what I've learned since I've gotten out of the car and I'm in the seat uh, of, of the broadcaster in, in the booth is that it's a reminder of the fans being so plugged in and so enamored with what they were watching, where we live in this moment because it was a moment where the fans were captivated incredibly, like, in a, in a frenzy. So, like, they stayed long after the checker flag. We all stood around waiting for whatever was going to happen next. Where were you? I was on pit road. So there's me getting out of my car. I'm looking for the big jumbotron to see what's going on. All the fans are are in the grandstand still reacting to what they're seeing on the jumbotron, cheering, booing, doing whatever. Here comes Newman. He really doesn't care much about what's going on. Just <laughs> he's like, like, hey, guys, hot dogs stand open? Yeah, he's Excuse like, me. he's like, I'm headed to the house. I'll take you to the house. Yeah. So anyways, I, I remember leaving that track and pulling out onto the highway in my mind thinking if this is if NASCAR could have this every week right none of us would have nothing to worry about they yeah. wouldn't be able to print enough tickets they wouldn't be able to build the stands high enough to get the people in here that wanted to see this in person and you know there were there was a time in the sport when like i said in the 80s and the 90s when that was a more of a occurrence during the season we weren't having it every week but that would happen between drivers, every race, somebody was running over somebody. Somebody was mad at somebody. Something got carried over into the next week and the next week and the next week between several different drivers throughout the season. And I think it played, it, I think it has a lot to do with the racetracks we were racing at. There were a lot more short tracks on the schedule. And, you know, obviously, well, you know, we can't change the racetracks we go to, but. I'm telling you, man, we might be able to see something just like that this week. Pretty impressive. Did that did that make you guys look at Chase Elliott differently after that moment? Because um, the fans, the fans took something away from that night. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that was the moment when he arrived, I think. And you heard it, driver introductions, the final, what was that, three races of the season. You could tell yeah. there was a demonstrative you know, uptick in the decibel level when he came across that stage, that people saw that moment. Again, when he's going to the crowd, going like this, Chase tends to be a little bit more reserved. Yeah. And I think seeing that side of him and, you know, what Dale was talking about, that Martinsville always brings out the emotions and drivers. And it's great to have those moments on track, but I think fans love the racing there as much for what happens off the track. Yeah, right? I agree. I, I'm, I think that uh, I've been around Chase all year. 
uh, behind closed doors, behind, in meetings around him, at appearances, photo shoots. So I knew that that part of Chase was there, and I knew when he when when he reacted the way he did, I wasn't like, "Ooh, look at Chase!" You know? Right. <laughs> I was said, like, "All right, here goes." I was like, that, "You know, that's that Chase I know." And if you you know if you push him to his limit or he feels wrong, he's going to stand up for himself, especially in in a in a in a big spot like that. I mean, you got the whole world watching. You feel like the whole world's watching. And so you can't let people see you be, be pushed around. You have to react. And obviously, I mean, that hurt his opportunity to go on in the next round. He felt like that if he wins that race, obviously he gets the opportunity to go to Homestead. So he felt wronged in a big way. Right. They've worked all year to get in this position, and then it was spoiled. But um, I just left there feeling like, man, this is – this. hopefully this – Hopefully, people realize the people in charge realize what just happened, and, ha and that we need to attempt to get to this place as often as possible. And I know it's not a lot of fun for a driver to be in that place. It's not a great experience to go through that much drama. You'd rather go out there and lap the field and go home. And every, you know, if every, yeah. no, no matter what anybody thinks about it, that's how you want to go and enjoy a race if you're a driver. But from a from a viewer's point of view or a fan in the stands, I mean, if you know, if we could get that happening more often, that's what we need. So I left there uh, thinking, man, that's this is this is what we need going on going further. We need more of this, uh, and we've had a lot of it this year. Yeah. We've had some really, you know, have you noticed since like I think Chicago, whatever happened that race between the two Kyles, sort of ignited this sort of intensity that we've had sweeping through all the rest of the remaining races besides yeah. Kentucky and this past weekend. Didn't have as much drama because we had less restarts, a lot of green flag runs, which was fine. I mean, some races are going to be that way. But for the most part, the intensity from the driver's seat coming from the guys in the cars has been incredible this year. How about Chase Elliott? I mean, I picked up another win. That's win number three. Look at what that year has done for him. And, and some people, I'm sure, would wonder if you didn't have Martinsville happen the way it did last year, could Chase have said, no, I'm supposed to be here. I run competitively. I get up there, and and my man gets it done. And not only is he getting it done, the thing that I, kind of blows my mind, and you guys can speak more to this, is he's the only one out of that Hendrick camp that is able to to seal the deal or really get up there for it. And that, to me, is that that's a big deal. I was watching the race, and obviously from the broadcast booth, and Chase was not. Uh, Chase was sort of around his teammates for the most part of that, you know, the first half of that race. He he didn't he wasn't standing out. I don't think he was running up in the top three. Or I was looking at Logano and, and Blaney, and obviously the four car was super fast, and Chase wasn't in the picture yet. Second half of the race, he comes in the picture and just starts dominating. You know, he gets much faster, and then the four car has their issues. If if Harvick doesn't have the issue with speeding on pit road, he wins that race. But you got to be there to be able to capitalize. Am I surprised that? Uh, Chase's winning? No, I think he's a great race car driver with a great company that can win races. I'm surprised that they're winning this year because the way the year started with the Ford, with the Chevy, mm -hmm. they were awful, and a lot of those Chevy teams are still awful. Yeah, you know, a lot right. of them are still struggling to to get to get that car up in the top five on a regular basis. But it seems like the switch has flipped for the nine since like for that July. One, yeah, it's yeah, flipped for that one team, and there's a lot of confidence in 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 uh, Allen, the crew chief, and and. And Chase, they, they make a great team. They really do. I've, I've watched those two guys work together, and I know them pretty well. They make a great – they, uh, they uh, complement each other really well. And the team underneath Allen, I think, is very motivated by the way Allen works and, and what, how, he, how, he, you know, how he asks his guys to work. So 
I'm not surprised by their success. I'm just surprised it's happened this year because I didn't think that Camaro was going to be able to get up there and contend. And it's it's done. Let's talk about a couple of the other guys, though, that are really sizing up that round eight. How about Martin Truex Jr.? What are you thinking about where the 78 is right now? I feel like he's still, for me, in the championship round. Uh, even though they haven't run nearly as well as we'd expect them to, certainly mile-and-a-half tracks, you would think that a place like Kansas Speedway, where he swept those two races last year, that he would come in there and be the favorite. And they had to struggle awfully hard to finish fifth. I mean, you know, maybe we diminish it too much because they still finished fifth and they still advanced, but one stage point at Kansas tells you that they clearly just didn't have their A game like they normally do. And with everything else surrounding that team right now and knowing that this could be the, you know, the swan song, obviously, for furniture racing is happening. You know, is it going to happen with a championship ending and back-to-back titles? We don't know. But I think that is kind of in the background and I think is going to color everybody's opinion about how well can this team do over the next few races. Sure. Yeah. They still get a shot? I think they're falling into underdog status for me. Uh, I mean, Chase is ahead yeah. of that team right now, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. To, I think that kind of blows your mind. I think Chase and the 78 are, are closer together. Chase winning this weekend, 78 struggling. I feel like that they are more comparable to each other than maybe Martin is to the four or the 18 car of Kyle Busch. I feel like as much as Martin and those guys want to say that it's not a distraction that the team's shutting down, I feel like that it kind of has – has to play some kind of a role, whether psychologically or physically or with the cars and the parts and pieces and whatnot. Martin, though, on the other hand, does not seem to be concerned. I know you for a fact that he's deer hunting this weekend so <laughs> or this week. So, I mean, the guy's got his head, you know, right where it needs to be mentally to go out there and try to win his championship. And my problem or concern, I guess, is um, I think he gets to Homestead, but can he have speed at Homestead? And Kansas – Tells me he might not. You know, obviously, Kansas is a big concern for how he may run at Homestead. But I think he gets there. I'm afraid he gets there, and he's not going to be able to compete. Crazy thing is going to be find out, really, who gets there. Because with, with Joey Logano, with Clint Boyer, with so many of these teams having such great runs, it is going to make the next few weeks so exciting. And this show as well, because coming up, you're going to meet another finalist for this year's Comcast Community Champion Award. He may not wear a fire suit. But Sonoma Raceway's Steve Page has gone above and beyond to help those in need. You'll hear his story next. Welcome back. Some of NHL's biggest stars are out tonight. North of the border, John Tavares and the Maple Leafs take on the Jets at 7 Eastern. Then at 9.30, the Lightning and the Avalanche face off. It's a Wednesday night hockey doubleheader tonight on NBCSN. Jets. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Here's where the cup playoffs stand as we enter the round of eight. Look at that. Kyle Busch, Kevin yeah. Harvick. If you felt like the, in the first segment our conversation about drivers was repetitive, it's because nobody's talking about Joey Logano and Kurt Busch. And they should be. And check out, I mean, the big three, all four Stuart Haas drivers, Red Hot Chase Elliott and sneaky good Joey yeah. Logano. It's going to be crazy because I just, it's so hard to think about Still, that only four of these drivers are going to Nobody's talking about Joey and Kurt, and I think that they're wanting to prove everybody wrong. And you think they are? Talk about Eric Almarola. Yeah. Man, speaking of man, speaking of Joey, he and fellow driver Ryan Newman are up for the Comcast Community Champion of the Year Award, which recognizes the charitable efforts of those in the NASCAR industry. Let's meet the third finalist, 
for the award. Sonoma Raceway Track President Steve Page. The very latest on those wildfires in Sonoma County. Homes, wineries, and entire neighborhoods are being destroyed. Sunday night, October 8th, was the night I remember telling my wife, this is fire weather. So we had a pretty extreme wind event in the North Bay and had multiple fire starts almost simultaneously. We were woken at 2.30 in the morning with the sheriff going up and down the street telling people to evacuate. Officials ordered new evacuations in Sonoma County. Hundreds of thousands of people evacuated with really nowhere to go. As we realized over the course of the day the scale of what was happening and the number of people that were at risk, it seemed like a no-brainer to open up our campground and give people a, a place to stay. And this is the most devastating wildfire in Northern California in the last quarter century. Over 200 fires grew through the night, taking down almost 9,000 buildings. Residents were in need of shelter, clean water, and food. We were in a position with the resources we have and the facilities that we were a natural place for people to land. It was about a 90-second conversation. That's the kind of person he is, and that's the kind of organization Sonoma Raceway is. With the decision made to open the grounds to the public, Hundreds of evacuees like Jennifer Thompson made their way to the track. So there's this moment that's really emotional, but I get into my car and I don't have much, just a few things. And it takes us about an hour to go five miles. And I realize that everything I've known my whole life could be gone. And we finally make it over the ridge where you can see the raceway and there's bright lights. Then I felt safe. I felt like, okay, there's something that I think is going to stay. We turn in, and the first thing we have is we have friendly people greeting us, and they're offering us blankets, food, do our dogs need anything? There was clean water. It was huge. That first night, over a 1,000 people just showed up in their cars. It became a little community out here. It was very gratifying to see our team respond, but also just to see the other people from the community who, who really just wanted to do something to help. Steve's natural response made a difficult time bearable for so many. I don't know if I can thank them in the right way. I can just tell them over and over again how grateful I am personally and my family is and so many members of our community for providing us a safe harbor when we felt like everything was gonna go. With the flames finally out and the rebuilding effort underway, Steve went the extra mile, opening the raceway to the public yet again, this time to honor the rescue staff and raise money for the relief efforts. Sonoma Rising was a great event. It gave it for the first responders that were there during the fires, as well as those that, that were immediately affected, an opportunity to connect. And I think it was a healing moment for both. It's a very cool event. And we we're successful in raising some money to help support the people who've lost everything. Steve plans to continue raising money for the victims of the fires and Sonoma County. They're a really good community member. You will find Steve Page and his wife at just about every charitable event. They are very generous. One of the things they do is Sonoma Speedway, their children's charity. They give away hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to local entities that really need the assistance. Steve and the Raceway are very involved with charitable fundraising here in the community, and having fun events out at the track to support nonprofits and something like 200 different community organizations here in Sonoma County in the North Bay.
Steve's actions embody the very sense and meaning of community. How do you say thank you for that, except just to say it? Thank you. When Sonoma County needed the most, they were there, and in a big way. There's a lot that needs to happen to rebuild this community, and there's just never any question that we should always step up and do what we can. How cool is that? Big thanks to Steve for that. Comcast's going to make a $60,000 donation to the award winner's charity, as well as $30,000 donations to the charities of the two remaining finalists. The winner will be announced Thursday, November 15th. You can learn more about the finalists at NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Oh, it got a little misty in here. I thought somebody was making a... Onion salad for a minute there. Isn't that a, a special thing Steve did and, and that whole crew out there? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Steve's a great guy. Um, runs a first-class operation over there at the racetrack and doesn't surprise it doesn't surprise me if you get to know him and uh, know how they operate that they would do something like that. And I thought what was cool was during the race weekend in June, Steve Page and Sonoma Raceway brought NASCAR into it. They had Furniture Racing donate some mattresses. They had Richard Childress Racing working with the Red Cross, putting together some care packages. They introduced the first responders uh, as part of the driver introductions, which you know, I thought it was cool that they brought NASCAR in on what they were doing there for that community. Completely. Bunch of all-stars. Speaking of all-stars, now it's time to reveal the first two members of this year's pit crew all-stars. Shannon Myers is the rear tire changer for Clint Boyer. His long career includes a Daytona 500 win with Dale Jr. in yep, 2004. Yep, yep, yep. We also have Daryl Edwards. In February, he became the first African-American pit crew member to win the Daytona 500 as the Jackman for Austin Dillon. Now, Shannon Myers is a 17-year NASCAR veteran, but he's also known as being the last player ever to be drafted by Pro Hall of Famer Don Shula in 1995. How cool is that? And before Darrell, Edwards began his career in NASCAR. The native of Baltimore, Maryland, was winning championships in basketball at both the high school and college level. Both men recently talked about the parallels between their past and present sports. Just having that winning mentality, um, just wanting to be a winner and basically sacrificing uh, maybe myself and sacrificing things for my brothers. You know, obviously you have brothers in each sport you went from. Um, just sacrificing for, for the guy that's next to me to ultimately have a winning program or a winning organization, uh, that means a lot. Um, and it's kind of correlated to where I am today. They're both parallel each other in the sense that, you know, everyone's really good at this level. And you can't let your, my dad told me a long time ago, you can't let your highs be too high, your lows too low. You have to be able to uh, take success with failure. And I think both sports will humble you very quickly. And you have to be able to adapt and overcome. How cool is that? You guys are going to be seeing a lot more about our pit crew all-stars. Daryl's future father-in-law is a buddy of mine, Jerry Wesson, which is really fun. But Shannon has a funny story, certainly this time of year we start to think about Thanksgiving. He's got a funny story about a Thanksgiving when he was with the Dolphins. Take a look. We were at Dan Marino's house together, and his father, of course, w was with us. And my dad had flown down, and we were having Thanksgiving together. And towards the end of the afternoon, Dan brought out some Italian moonshine. And it was kind of cool to see his dad and my dad take a shot or two of that. <laughs> a little bit of moonshine. <laughs> what kind of moonshine? Italian moonshine. Italian moonshine. I didn't know there was such a thing. Hmm. <laughs> what what does that mean? Drop a couple of olives in there? Or? I mean, it's one thing to take it across state lines, but that was from another country. Didn't realize Junior Johnson spent time in Tuscany. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of things about <laughs> One of the things about Shannon, man, is is tire changers, that's a competitive space. Right. And he's doing this at 45 years old. 
And, I mean, I, I know the guy really well, great guy. Just impressive to me that a tire changer at 45 years old and an all-star, you yeah, know, being right. recognized as one of the best in the sport. How old are you? 44. Mm -hmm. How old are you? 45. Mm -hmm. Same age as That was my reaction to it, too. I mean, that's such a physically punishing, demanding position, and I can't believe you know, he changed tires on your Daytona 500 winning team. I mean, that's amazing that he has that kind of longevity in that kind of position. So cool. I'm the youngest one at the table. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Coming up, everybody remembers Dale Jr.'s win at Martinsville back in 2014. But what are some of the other memorable moments he had there during his career? We'll find out when Wednesdays with Dale Jr. returns. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. is ticking and tensions are always running high Martinsville. Eight drivers, four races. Who will be the first to reach the championship? Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Martinsville Sunday at 2.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Nailed it, guy. I would you, throw that, but you need it. Thank you. There's I another do. another one on there. You know what? Speaking of Martinsville, why don't we just dive in there? Why don't we just talk about yeah. your best Martinsville moments? Could we? Is that all right? Yeah. Well, let's remind people, please send in your questions. Use at Dale Jr. Use the hashtag Wednesdale. Yeah. Let's take it back to 2014. How about we pick it up? I don't know, Nate. Uh, final restart. What do you That'll think? Hey, here we are. All Walk right, us through this. Tony Stewart control car on the inside there. I don't know who's in the purple car. Number 17. Is that? Who's that in 17? Is that Matt Stenhouse? Yeah. Mm. All right, where am I at? Okay, I'm trying to pass the 34. I think that's Reagan, David Reagan. I got me some tires here, so I'm coming fast. I gotta get, I gotta be quick about this because behind me is uh, Jeff Gordon, and he's on tires too, and he's been pretty much the best car all day. And you've never won here at this point, right? No, I only won one race there. You know that. And so, <laughs> I'm, I catch Tony. I gotta hurry to get by Tony because if Jeff Gordon can get to my bumper, he's gonna use it. And so I gas it up here, mm. and I'm like, I'm sorry, Tony, I gotta hit you in the door. <laughs> sorry, bro. And but I had to gas it up. If I don't throttle up there, then I'm gonna get beat down a straightaway and Gordon will be right there. So it allowed me to get by, get a little clear, but it also helped Gordon kind of get by Tony Stewart too. Yeah, that body yeah. slam there helped him a, a little bit. How much yeah. were you watching your mirrors at this point? Not a lot. I mean you look just on exit of every corner you kind of look up and see if he's coming real quick. Uh, and I'm thinking, all right, he's not catching me as fast as I thought he was going to. So all I got to do is not screw up. Like, even if I give up a little time to him, just run smart, straight up off the corner, don't screw up. And so I'm giving up, I'm giving up a little speed to him, but just trying not to make a terrible mistake, like chatter the rear tires or anything like that that's going to give up a gob of, of time to him. Yeah. And so, yeah. And the, and the scenario here is Gordon is still alive in the playoffs. You had just been eliminated the last round. Yep. So if Gordon wins that race, he advances to Miami. Yep. And you essentially kept your teammate from advancing Miami. But you got your first win. Yeah. In I know. Some people say, thought I should uh, <clears throat> give up the position. Have let him go by. But I needed the clock. Not in that Yeah, time. you did. <laughs> and he was happy for me. Like, he's, hey, I run second. I'll take it. Yeah. Was Tony happy with you? Yeah, yeah. Tony didn't mind. Okay. I thought, I, I mean, Tony, you know, if he would have been unhappy, he'd come see me. But he mm -hmm. knew that I had to go. He kind of knew the desperation that I was in in that moment. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to hold us off and win the race. That wasn't like a, 
a move to knock him out. But right. You're just like, just need he's to get like, because this clock is waiting for He's him. like, I understand. This is, this is the clock, right? This, th- that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, this was big. Talk about fans hey, sticking around. <laughs> I don't think even the people that usually leave early to beat the traffic <laughs> left at that point. Yeah. Everybody was there. 30 starts. What a moment. Yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. What about 2006 was another memorable one for you at Martinsville. What happened to your fender? Oh, um, I, I got in a wreck early. There was a big pile up and it bent, uh, it tore that fender up and we had to cut it off. And so at the start of the race, I'm thinking we're screwed because we have no front, no, no front fender, obviously. And we ran about 50 laps. We weren't really fast, weren't really passing anybody. But then all of a sudden, on the long run, our car took off. And it was because of the temperature of that right front tire staying down. No because, kidding. Yeah, because the body's not there and the brakes are able to stay cooler and everything right in that area was just doing a better job. Like the right front tire was had more grip. Yeah. And the car on the long run would turn way better than everyone else. That's and, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Y'all remember. It would be like having a training wheel out there. You just were digging that much. I mean, what a difference that would make. It, having cooler tires is a, is a big That's help. That's huge, yeah. man. By about, I don't know, 50 or 100 degrees. I don't know how much cooler it would have been, but my tire, my fall off and my my car's ability on the long run was just incredible. And so, you know, I told Tony Jr. after that, I said, from now on, when we go to Martinsville, just make the fenders fall off. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a great opportunity. Just build them out of Velcro. What, yeah. about, what about the year 2000? Do you remember anything from that race? 2000 is memorable because <laughs> it was the most embarrassing <laughs> Martinsville race I ever ran. It was my first race there. And uh, we I don't remember how many times we crashed, but we crashed a lot. So all right, there's a all right, so I melted the right front bead, trying to keep up with uh Kyle Petty there. Right. And then I don't know how I tore the left front off the car at that point. Um I I went behind the wall and ran ran into a, a tow truck. Then eventually I sailed over another car and into the wall in turn one, and that was the finishing touches of the car. So, anyways. When you say you hit a a truck in the infield. I had, like, four crashes that day, and uh, trying to, when the, so when I melted the right front bead, the cars, you know, you see the car go up the racetrack, it drug the sway bar arm off the car. So I had to come behind the wall to fix the sway bar arm, and pulling back there, there was a, a, Speedy, a truck with Speedy Dry thing on the back, and he wouldn't move. And so I ran into it to make him move out of the way. It's not and a lot of room out there, No, so there's not. The I yeah. was like, I'm going to hit it, and maybe the guy will get the, get the message that he needs to get out of the way. So anyways, we get the sway bar arm fixed, and we're like 14, 15 laps down. We come back out on the racetrack. I'm lined up on the inside. I'm the first car lap down. And then we, they dropped the green flag, and I drove a straightaway out in front of the leaders. And my dad's in this race, and he's running, like, in the top five, right? So he sees me. And uh, then I crashed three, three or four more times. <laughs> and finally, on that last wreck, we're up against the wall, you know, and I get out of the car, and Dad comes over the radio tells Richard Childress, he's like, just tell him to park it. That's enough. And Richard Childress said, yeah, I think it, it's done. And so we get in the helicopter to go home. It's me, Dad, and Michael Waltrip, and we're in the helicopter. I don't know where Dad finished, but I'm like, hey, you know, everything's good. I'm in the helicopter, and Dad's like, 
turns around and just starts chewing my tail for running into everything, crashing, embarrassing him and all that. So, and I was like, I know, I know, I know, but did you see me yard the leader that one time? <laughs> I put a whole silver lining, right? Straight away on the leader. You didn't even see that? You're not even going to talk about that? And and then as soon as I said that, Michael Walter busted out laughing, and Dad turned and looked at him and told him not to encourage me. <laughs> it was a fun. It was a fun day. You as were fun a, as it could be. You were a silver lining guy. I dig that about you. But did you see me pull on yeah, the leader? Did you see me yard the leader that one time? <laughs> Nate, um, I feel like today you brought something special, I, didn't you? I did. Uh, I actually did have something on my VCR that I brought. You guys, this is great news. It's time to play a little bit of what's on the VCR right. tape when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Who's that little guy in the corner? Ah, yes. Did you know who <laughs> that? I did Didn't see you? that. All right, so my favorite part of the show is here. Really, the only right. reason I come. <laughs> I, um, just kidding. I know. The, uh, this, this is called What's on the VCR, and sometimes I do it, and Nate has pointed up his VCR, and we're going to find out exactly... What's on his tape? I have, I have many VHS tapes in my collection, including many with NASCAR races. This one is Martinsville, September of 1987. Mm. And happens to involve your dad. Yeah. And Terry Labonte. Yeah. And Daryl Waltrip. And your dad was leading here in the closing laps of the race, uh, feeling extreme pressure. On. That's actually Labonte in the 11th Oh, that's Labonte. That's right. Uh, DW's in the DW 17. in the 17 in the Tide car. So your dad's trying to hold off Labonte. And he's also got DW coming up on the outside. So Ooh, a lot of it was happening. Look how hard they can hit without the actually the I know, right? Sorry. Get down in there and punt him. Wow. Look this at it. This is a beautiful, beautiful shot. And look at that grainy v VCR quality. Yeah. Uh oh, we got to move. Oh, a little blocking. <laughs> Weaving. It's about to get Still good. Still hitting and banging. It's about to get good. Well, don't it's worry, coming up here at the final lap. Yeah, and don't worry. We'll oh, hear yeah. that audio in a second. D D yeah, DW talking, explaining essentially what happens right here as Dale Jr.'s dad attempts to make sure Terry Labonte does not win the race, kind of puts him in the wall, and that doesn't really work out for either of them because DW passes both of them in the, off the final turn That's and right. wins the race. Wow. I was there. You remember this one. Yeah. <laughs> how old, you how know, old there were, have you been? I don't, 87, I was probably 13. There was not many races where dad was on the losing end of something like that, especially like the little bumper tag. Right. And man, it was hard to take. You know, dad was always the one putting putting people in the fence or spinning people out, and we, we'd go home going, heck yeah, show them people. <laughs> See the old man? Whoever that was, sorry for that. You know, anyways, that was tough. That was tough watching DW, you know, sort of, Sucker them all, and he was. He, I'm sure he's very proud of himself. He's watching right now. I bet, I bet he was. Yeah, you know what? Do we have the audio texting. of what yeah. happened? I feel like we do. Let's, let's hear what they thought happened. Terry was mad at Dale. I'm, I'm convinced this is the way it was. Terry was going to go down and give Dale a little tap because Dale tried to put him in the wall. He went in the turn about a mile over his head. I was underneath him. I bumped him. He hit Dale. They went up the racetrack, and I come off the corner and won the race. 
coming down the back straightaway for the last uh, on the last lap. I was trying to pass Earnhardt, and uh, Walter ran in the back of me so hard he knocked me into Earnhardt and knocked us both out. And he won the race. It was a good race for him, I guess. <laughs> Dale and I didn't think it was too good. That wasn't a good race. Because, you know, that's the yeah. emotion that you were talking about earlier. And also, not the first time that your dad and Terry Labonte would have difference of opinion oh, on the short no. tracks. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, there were a lot of short tracks on the schedule back then. Yeah. And, and a lot of that going on week to week. Even at the, you know, Rockingham's and the three-quarter miles and mile tracks, there was some beating and banging going on with those type of cars and, and the way they drove the bicycle tire. Um, it, was a, it was a wild time, man. And, you know... I, I didn't think it was a good race. I wasn't happy about it, but you know, looking back now, it's uh, it's a good piece of history. It really is, and 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 luckily those guys all kept the language clean. Because if not, um, Trevor Bain, can we just check in with Trevor and make sure what did he think about that, Trevor? Hey, watch your language, man. Your fault. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was their fault. It was definitely yep. DW's fault. Thank you for that. Coming up, we're going to answer some of the questions you've been sending us with the hashtag Wednesday. Plus, do you need an idea for a Halloween costume? The stars of the Xfinity series just might help you out. Stay tuned. The best Halloween costume that I've had is I was a Teletubby with a few friends. It honestly scared me as a kid, so I wasn't a huge fan. My daughter wanted to dress up as a minion. She wanted me to dress up with her. I was 100% decked out, and it was pretty awesome. When I was in kindergarten, my mom dressed up like a dirty laundry basket. <laughs> that came out really wrong. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Favorite Halloween costume probably has to be Woody from Toy Story. The out-of-work wrestler. Wendy Peppercorn or Peppercorn? And Squints, I'll just say a lot. Jack Sparrow, and I thought I did a pretty decent job of that one. Me, Ryan Truex, and a couple of our friends, we did the whole uh, South Park cast. We spray-painted all the gloves and hats and stuff, so we smelled like spray paint all night. One of my beards grown out, it's pretty red, and so I decided to dress up as a leprechaun. And I ran into Kyle Petty and Richard Petty, and Richard's eyes went pop wide open. I'm sorry, but I never did Halloween. <laughs> what? For real? Christopher Bell never did Halloween? And he seems unbothered by that. Wow, that's odd. I feel yeah. very bothered by it, I don't you? Too. Yeah. Christopher, we're going to change that, buddy. I think it's too late. Whew, I don't, it's never now too late. Now it just be weird. It's never too late. Shout out to Daniel Hemrick for giving Wendy Peppercorn some love. I've been to her house. She has a wonderful orange tree. True story. Guys, it's time for Winsdale <laughs> fan questions. Let's get to the first one. This is from Megan. She said, what is Isla going to be for Halloween? Possibly a family costume? Like what? I mean, what's that mean, family costume? She's going to dress up as my dad? Where or? you all three <laughs> would go up dress up in in a theme let's no. say you wanted to be teletubbies yeah, i got it i got like it. cole so custer that never came costume. into my right. mind because like i'm not part. dressing up what uh, did she, you ever dress up for halloween yeah thank goodness yeah. i wanted uh i was always a football player the same football player every year who just a red generic football player. not even a famous no player? number or nothing i had the cheap suit this really phoned it in there yeah. weren't you it wasn't my i mean it's what i had to work with I had the pants, the jersey, the pads, the helmet, but no number. It was just a red jersey. What is Isla going to be? So you, bad. Can you wear? Can she wear that same costume that you used to wear? I don't have that anymore. That's too bad. It'd be really good. 
<laughs> Maybe you could dress her up like a tiny football. Amy's watching now. I'm sure she's thinking. Amy, what do you want to dress her up as? Huh? She, I asked Amy the other night. I said, what are we going to dress her up as? She said she don't know yet. Guys, send in your suggestions, okay? <laughs> Uh, next question, Maggie Joe Davis said, here's my opinion uh, in the championship four. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Chase mm. Elliott, and Joey Logano. Is that your big four? Well, I, I, uh, Maggie, I, I think it's cool that you put Joey in there. I think Joey's running under the radar. Kurt Busch is way under the radar, too. Um, obviously, I, anybody can make it. But I don't see how you can't put Truex in there. I just right. think he has enough playoff points, even if he runs okay. You know, he, fifth, he finished fifth this past weekend really without doing much all day long. So they know how to make something out of nothing. And I think that's what they'll do in this final round to be able to get to Homestead. I think he's in there. I like the Chase Elliott pick, Maggie. Yeah. I've got these four. Uh, well, I've got the first three, and then I've got Truex for Logano. I had Chase Elliott actually before the mm-hmm. playoffs started. I think you're right, Dale. I mean, I think if – as long as somebody from outside the big three doesn't Humble win. Brack, right? Yeah. Races. I had Chase Elliott I had before, in there. Uh, I had Chase in there. No big deal, guys. Since day told No me. big deal. He won. Nate, you he know. Won. He did. You're so right. Uh, Dylan Bowles wanted to know how many Martinsville hot dogs are too many Martinsville hot dogs. 21 would be the number. Too many. Is that what Matt, is Matt Dillner? Many. I mean, over a period of two days, I think the number gets a little smaller because it's a two-day weekend for the cup guys. This is a three-day weekend. 21 hot dogs is doable. Am I allowed to say zero and still get credentialed? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Not, they're not for the everybody. Zero. You're, you, have you ever had one? Uh, probably around 1999. Okay, at least one. one. You got to have one. at least one. Yeah. Even if you hate them, you got to try them. It's sort of a thing, you know. You can't. It's like, hey, uh, the NBC party where we had to karaoke. Yes. All the rookies, and we're going to do a song. All the rookies have to karaoke, so I've got to do it. I don't get a choice. That's the way Martinsville hot dogs are. You gotta have one. <laughs> so exciting. Steve Amy, even Amy had one one time. Yeah, they are they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh Steve Lynn wants to know about my wife, the new Dale Jr. book. She loved it. What's the best feedback or comment you've had regarding the book? Uh basically anybody that says that um the book took them to Mickey to get uh treatment or help and hey, thanks. <laughs> this so, book. Yeah. Here. So if you read the book and you are, you know, suffering from concussion issues or you have a family member uh, or a friend that is having those issues, I hope that this book will send you to Mickey Collins up at Pittsburgh at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center to get some help because he can fix you up whether you got your concussion yesterday, 10 years ago. So I see people in my timeline all the time saying, man, I'm glad you're speaking out about concussions because I deal with those symptoms daily from some things that I've had happen in my history. Well, you don't have to. You can probably go to Mickey, and he can help you understand how to have a better quality of life, give you the treatment that you need. That's really cool. You know what else is really cool? Uh, We just found out from your publisher that Racing the Finish is going to hit the New York Times bestseller list. Uh -uh. Congratulations. Really? Yeah. You're kidding. I'm not. I'm not. It says it right there. (laughs) Congratulations. Look at you. Mr. That's like, Modesty? Yes. That's like the goal. How cool is that? Well, when it makes that list, it, that, it's cool to be on the list, but when it <laughs> makes that list, so many more people see it. Yeah, and know? it means they're going to learn about it and learn yes. how they can get help. Exactly. So that's, that's awesome. Huge. Yeah. Well, then now you're not going to want to read this promo, are you? Because we've got to take a break. Our pal Parker Kligerman is everywhere in his garage, his new show, Proving Grounds. And soon he'll be back behind the wheel. We'll show you his new truck series ride for Texas in our shout-outs next. Congratulations!
Patrick Marlowe of the Toronto Maple Leafs getting his equipment ready for a Wednesday night hockey matchup with Dustin Bufflin and the Jets. We are live from True North Square in downtown Winnipeg. NHL Live comes your way next. It's time for shout-outs. All right, this was going to be my shout-out. Chip Wow and Daytona Speedway, they announced they're going to have a beer festival held in conjunction with the Advanced Auto Parts Clash and the Daytona 500 qualifying next February. But then I read the press release and found out it's from noon to 3 p.m. That is not a festival, Chip. Chip, <laughs> I cannot in good faith give this such recognition. So no shout-out for me today. Wow. Wow. Shout-out. Nate Ryan, shout out. Mine is for my colleague Parker Kligerman. Unfortunately, I didn't get to his big sponsorship announcement today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, but I'm glad I can promote it right now. New sponsor on his truck for Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, by the way, Parker also racing this weekend in Martinsville in the truck he finished fourth with at Bristol. So good luck to Parker Kligerman the next so two weeks. So cool. Check out Very Proving cool. Grounds. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the beautiful piece of machinery that gets Nate Ryan here. Nate's car. What year is that, Tercel? 1995. 95? Nice. In my car. Toyota Tercel. <laughs> okay. This thing is beautiful. I love it. Uh, also, we got to give a shout out to uh, our producer, John Barnes. It's his birthday. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Barnes. Wait, hold on. I'm just... Oh, guys, I've, I'm so sorry. I've been getting breaking news. Uh, unfortunately, Martinsville Speedway has tweeted that Nate Ryan has, in fact, lost his credential. It's, it's been revoked. track, and I never get to go back. For yes. no hot, hot dogs. dogs. Well, I think yes, you know sorry. what you can change there, right? Yeah, that's right. Order a dozer. Get you. I'm a, let's see some hot dogs <laughs> Saturday. Come you on. know what? You should do that. Now that you're a New York Times bestseller. That's right. Show and off. And beer festivals should be three days max. That's right. That's a wine-tasting chip. Get with it. Martinsville hot dogs go great with Daytona Beer Festivals, I think. Why? You know what? <laughs> I'd make an exception for that. Put the I mean, how much beer, beer, beer can you drink in three hours? That's ridiculous. That's a good time. Nate Ryan's here. He's on his way. He's got a hot date with his wife. They're going to see Hamilton. That's going to do it for us. And Winsdale NHL Live is next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.